Hey, terrific friends. This is Tori from Terrific Life. And let me tell you, if I knew then what I know now, I would be so much further along in life. I'm a wife, a boy mom, ages 12 and 15, full-time claims manager, an entrepreneur, and the voice behind Terrific Life. I'm a special needs mom. My oldest has high-functioning autism, a peanut-free and asthma mom, courtesy of my youngest son, and a mom of everything else. (laughs) I'm basically a jack-of-all-trades mom and a master-of-nothing mom. My passion is my family, and when I'm not with them, I love to lift others up. I want to share my experiences to help others in their journey of parenthood with tough love, a new perspective, and laughter. I hope with this podcast, you get ideas, tips, you learn something new, and you get a lot of emotional goodness. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe subscribe and share my podcast to keep me on the air and visit my website terrificlife.com and my Facebook page Terrific Life. Now, on with the show. Hey terrific friends, I'm back. So, today I wanted to talk to you about having a special needs child and when they are first diagnosed, how we all go through the stages of grief. The funny thing is very few will admit that they're even having them and it is very easy for us to get stuck in these emotions or at least I did. So I'm assuming maybe that I did that there's others out there that also are experiencing the same thing. So this podcast is for you. (laughs) Part of me believes the reason we don't like to admit it as if there is some type of stigma or it's taboo as if if we admit to having these feelings, um, I don't know, we love our children less or how can we be disappointed or angry or sad? Or aren't we supposed to love our children unconditionally? We feel, um, I don't know, I felt a guilt for having these emotions. But it's funny how our ego pops in and then we start to worry about what will others think. But I don't know, guys, realistically, What we are feeling is completely normal because, hello, is this thing on? Like, we're human. It is okay. Like, it's okay to feel these feelings. Friends, these emotions are completely normal. It also is extremely healthy to acknowledge these emotions so you didn't get lost in one of the emotions. It's very easy to get lost in an emotion. So... I don't know. I guess why should I do a podcast about grief? I guess it's easy because I wanted to have you look at it from a different perspective, maybe. Listen, parenting is freaking hard. Um, Add a little special need to the mix and man, your, your life is literally forever changed. I don't know about you, but from an early age, I, I don't know, let's say I was like three years old, I had a baby doll and I became a mother. That was the first time I became a mother. I had this little baby doll and I imitated what my what my mom was doing and what I saw others mom do. And I had this version of moms and knew them. They would love me. And one day they will grow up to go to college, become parents of their own. And the circle of life continues. I'm going to spare you the Lion King song. (laughs) But I even threw in a husband and a white picket fence and all that other non-realistic things that go along with that. And the virgin, virgin, virgin. Oh, my God. I'm going to need to stop. (laughs) The version of how I thought marriage and like parenthood would look, right? We all have, I mean, maybe the version, I'm going to say it slowly, version (laughs) 
is similar to what I saw, or you have your own version of parenthood. And then I think when you first have the baby, you realize, wow, I was kind of way off that this is this is kind of a lot harder than I thought it would be. Like, I don't remember. I don't remember this with my baby doll. Like, I don't remember not getting sleep. Like, I remember sleeping fine. Like, I cuddled her and she was fine. Sometimes I wouldn't see her for days. (laughs) And then when you have this baby, but the difference was, is you can still, even though it's hard when they're an infant, you could still picture them in the cap and gown and them holding their own babies and making you a grandmother or grandfather. When you have a child with special needs and you get this diagnosis, oh man, no one knows enough about it or whether your child will be capable of what they'll be capable of or if they could ever live independently. Sure, you can hope for the best, but realistically, you have to start viewing things in a completely different light altogether. It's like something or someone died. That core belief you had just died and we're left in the gutter. So tell me, why wouldn't you grieve? Why shouldn't you grieve? Why wouldn't you allow yourself to grieve? You still love your child, but you are dealing with a loss in your mind that is incomprehensible. No human, guys, goes into a marriage and parenthood while pregnant and think, look at each other and go, hey, should we um, talk about what happens if our child has special needs? And, you know, like we are going to get, you know, go into huge credit card debt due to medical bills. And we're just going to keep repeating it over and over because it's really, you know, too much for us, but we got to do it. And oh, and by the way, should we open a savings account now just in case we're going to have to hire people when he's in he or she is an adult to take care of them because they won't be able to take care of themselves? Like, no one does that. We're not, we're sold on this idea that it will be amazing and perfect from a very young age. So that is why I thought this podcast and the topic is so important because, yeah, it's a little heavy of a topic, just a little bit, but it's so crucial to your journey into this world you are about to embark on. So let's go through them together. So the first stage of grief is more like denial. This isn't happening your ego jumps in. They're really good with the denial one. And it's like, oh, it can't happen to me. No, 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 not my child. He will grow out of it. Hand flapping, not talking. Oh, doesn't make eye contact. Doesn't play with others. Frequent meltdowns. Mm-mm, nope. It's going to grow out of it. We're just going to let him see. We're going to play play this out. We're going to play this out because nothing like that's going to happen. My sister was the first one to say something to me. And I got a little taken aback. Like, Me? Like, are you accusing me of being a bad mother? Like my child, you think my child would have this? And I'm like, no, no, no. He's just, he's just a Benson male. He's just a Benson male. And I say that because (laughs) my, like my husband and his father and his brothers and stuff, like they could be watching TV and you could call them six times and they don't respond because they're so engrossed into the programming. Well, something similar would happen with my son where I would call his name over and over and he wouldn't respond but I'd open a bag of like M&Ms and he'd be right next to me like waiting for an M&M or a chip or whatever so I just was pushing it aside like no he's gonna grow out of it it's gonna be fine it's gonna be fine everything's gonna be fine nothing to see here and even though that stomach that that gut feeling is telling you something's not right you just keep pushing it down And then the anger sets in. Um, This really sets in when you're faced with the diagnosis because then you start to feel a little helplessness. 
a lot of frustration, especially you're having to learn new things. You just start to become angry and you start to blame. This is when you might get angry at God if you're religious or life in general. It's again, this is it's like something died and you're just going through the motions. Holding on to this, though, I can't friends, I can't stress this enough. Like, seriously, anger is a horrible emotion to hold on to. This leads to resentment resentment of other people having neurotypical kids and complaining about how hard they have it. And when I say how hard, I'm doing quotation marks because that's how you feel when you're angry that they have it or resent toward family and friends or even worse, your spouse or significant other. So I just definitely the anger is a hard one. Like all of them are horrible, but you definitely the anger is just toxic. And that's when you get like thrown into that negative emotion and feeling. All right, what's next? I got to remember now. I'm like, (laughs) I have like little cute cards down, but I want to make sure I hit them all because I really think they're all important. Okay, so the next one is bargaining. So dwelling on what you could have done different. A lot of what ifs, guys. Um, This is completely normal too. You know, what if I went to the doctor earlier? What if I had him diagnosed earlier? What if, what if I only put on 10 pounds during my pregnancy? I totally put on 60. What if I didn't just eat salsa and steak tacos and chocolate milk? Would he been okay? <laughs> like these are things that your brain goes to. It's like a bargaining tool. Sometimes you then bargain with God or you bargain, you know, well, if if this happens, I'll promise I'll never ever, you know, say another bad word again. Just, you know, make sure you take care of my family and make sure my son is okay. And this is just the bargaining process. So the next one is a serious, a really serious one. This one is depression. Hmm. This is more of a stage where you're going to be crying, um, not being able to sleep, overwhelming, regretful. You're regretful. um, You're forgetful, blaming yourself. This is a big one. This one is a a big one for blaming yourself. I blamed myself. Um, No matter what people would tell me, I still blamed myself. And just the feeling of being alone. This one, I'm... Seriously, guys, this one's a doozy. This one you can get really lost in. You stop caring for your body, can put strain on your marriage because you are always unhappy and nothing is going to make you happy. You could be put into this realization that someone and that he should, he or she should make you happy. Realistically, nothing at this point is going to make you happy and you just have this feeling of being lost. Most of the time you don't even notice you're in it. Like you're just in this like tornado and you don't even know that you're in it. You are just going through the motions with no enthusiasm for life. In your mind, you are in a constant record player mode is what I call it, where you're in a pity party in your brain. You're not necessarily um, sharing it with people, but in your brain, you're playing that recorded play, you know, the record player over and over and over again. All while not asking for help, the help that you need desperately. So, see, special needs mom are constantly called warriors. Um, does this sound familiar to you? Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. Um, they'll ask questions. They'll say to you, oh, I don't know how you do it. If I was in your shoes, I wouldn't survive. And I want to be like, yeah, you would, Tallulah. Yeah, you would. You know why? Because you're a freaking mom. And that's what we do. Don't blow smoke up my butt. You're going to be fine. I'm fine. This is just my life. <laughs> We have this, if we are not acting on the outside, like everything is fine, people will worry or worse, feel sorry for my child or for myself. So instead of really seeking help, we take on the burden due to guilt and what others might think. And this too can be extremely toxic. 
for me, people would ask me how I was doing. I would respond, you know, I'm doing great, doing fine. Yeah, doing great. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Meanwhile, you know, oh, yeah, no, he's doing great. I mean, we're doing great. I mean, you know, he's he is what he is. And this is this is our life. And he's he's wonderful. And I'm wonderful. And life is roses or petunias, whatever you want to call it. This this is life. But here I was sitting over here working full time, looking up stuff for my kid and are giving him extra lessons and therapy and running myself ragged. And I was sad at the same time. And I didn't know why you can't get out of the sad when you're in that brain space. Sometimes it's so hard. It's so hard to see the positive, the real positive and the little things in life. The crazy thing about depression is you are in the home stretch, and if you can somehow break out of that, you're on to the next stage, which is acceptance. You're so close, so close. And acceptance is just giving yourself time. Like you accept your feelings, you give yourself time and admit that you are having these feelings. I don't know, you're ready to move forward. So quickly, without going into much detail, maybe for another podcast, I thought I'd give you or share ideas of kind of what worked for me. So what I did, what I would recommend, and I learned this through lots of practice, I would talk to others. Do not isolate yourself as much as you want to. I'd ask for help. Take care of yourself. Even if you don't want to, shower, guys, shower. Seriously, a shower can make you feel like you are a new person. If you haven't showered for two, three days, when you get done with this podcast, because you should finish my podcast. You need to hop in the shower, have the husband watch the baby or the toddler or whatever, and just hop in the shower. If you're in the morning, maybe put a little makeup on, not a lot, maybe a little eyeliner, look a little mascara, look like you're alive, change your clothes, go for a walk and you, you know, take the baby or the toddler for a walk, throw them in a stroller, but go for a walk, get out of your surroundings, Uh, return to hobbies to get you back to the activities you love. Just because now you're raising a special needs child doesn't mean that you have to stop sewing or um, playing solitaire if that's what you like to do. Or if you like to, I don't know, I'm just making up hobbies. I'm not really a hobby. Oh, reading. Maybe you like to read. (laughs) I'm not too much. Maybe this podcasting is my hobby now. I don't know. I I kind of fill in my time. But if you have a hobby, you didn't lose that. Like that doesn't stop, you know, Uh, join an in-person support group if you really feel like you need someone to talk to and don't have the support at home. But again, this is for another podcast, but be careful on what kind of support groups I probably recommend in person and making sure it's a positive force where um, you're not feeding off each other the negative. You're just kind of lifting each other up. Um, A big one, a big one for me was stop watching negative things, turn off the news. Guess what? Guess what, friend? If it's that important, someone will let you know. Follow people that are positive on social media. You're not in denial. By doing this, you're in survival mode. The world's not going to end because you're not watching a 24-hour news show or you're not watching these negative TV shows and everything else. You need to start rewinding and start reprogramming your brain to find something that makes you happy. So find things in people that make you laugh. Um, talk to your spouse. Let them know you how you are feeling. I mean, don't keep them in the dark and do not place expectations as if they should know because they are in their own feelings and yours is not more important than theirs. 
if you are the mom in all this, remember that the father in all this, I think at least, this is obviously my opinion, but from an early age, they are predisposed to not show too much emotion or talk out their feelings. Plus, men want to be able to make things better and to fix them, and they can't not fix this. So where do they go in their head? Based on their own core belief of what a man or a father is and how they can fix or have control over something. Maybe it's working a lot more hours so they could bring in more money to pay for things. Trying to stay out of the way because you know, <laughs> you and I know that if they help, it's not good enough. And then you snap. It's like, you know, I'll just do it, you know, because what they're doing isn't the way you would do it. Or not saying how they feel because you are feeling so much and they don't want to burden you and they don't know they're in uncharted territory too. So you should tell your spouse how you're feeling and stuff and tell them what you need from them. Because a lot of times I think if you tell them, um, and that this isn't for every situation, I obviously know that there are worse situations. But sometimes when you tell somebody what you need, they will come through to a point, you know. <clears throat> what you will not realize is that the reason this is so important to hone in on these skills of getting out of the stages of grief is because throughout their childhood, guys, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but you're going to be in continu- you're going to continuously be be hit with grief. Maybe it's anger and depression one time. Sometimes it's going to be bargaining and depression. Sometimes it's denial too. I personally, many times, seeing other kids hit milestones, your kids should, would set me off. Seeing other kids apply for high schools hit me real hard. Watching them struggle at 10 years old to tie their shoe, um, wanting them to do something, but based on their anxiety, they are unable to do it. Watching your child in pain or if they have a physical ailment and you're in the hospital with them while other kids aren't. I remember forcing CJ. Oh, gosh, this one always gets me. But I remember forcing CJ to get an award on stage when he was in about uh, second grade. And I kept telling him, honey, you could do this. You're just going to breathe. Just breathe through it. Um, Side note, he hates clapping and cheering. That's basically his kryptonite. And when someone does it, it's like watching him being physically in pain when it happens. And I told him to breathe. I didn't know what to tell him. Did he do it? Yes. He got off. He got on that stage. He got his award and he got off. And I rushed to meet him in the back. And he was there with the look of fear fear and he had tears in his eyes and he's getting water and he said to me mommy I breathed I breathed but it it didn't work and my heart broke and I began the grieving process again it's it's not easy and you have to hone in on these skills because you're going to be put into these challenges and the more you practice and do this the stronger you will be mentally and able not to spiral out of control or completely get lost in your child as if your life is no longer important or as important as theirs both are important and but really your life and mental state is so much more because your child feeds off of you they depend on you and if you are only showing up half ass or out of obligation or angry all the time or sad all the time that child will react to that and you will shut down other people's ideas or help when i'm angry and stressed my son's meltdowns are worse and more frequent because i work at it i'm able to keep the peace and make firm confident decisions well i mean most of the time <laughs> I'm also able to give myself the time I need to gain perspective and gain me like mental stability. I mean, the moral of the story, guys, you are going through these emotions, so acknowledge them. 
And then you have to make a decision about how you choose to come out of it. And it, and it is entirely, it's entirely in your hands. No one else's. I hope you choose to take care of yourself. I hope you have a terrific week. Once again, terrific friends, thank you so much for listening to my podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. Tori signing off to the next podcast. Talk to you soon.